Thank you for joining us on Talk Money. I'm Keith Quint here with Jim Shoemaker. You know, and we're talking with Dr. Kevin Westbrook. He is the founder and the president CEO of Strategic Aim Consultant, also a professor at, uh, of marketing at Union University, the MBA program here in Memphis. And, uh, you know, Kevin, you, you've won many, many awards and, and you know, you're a tenured professor. I guess what I guess the best thing you've got going for you though is Diane. So the fake that's just the bottom line, don't you think? Absolutely. You know, you know he so over his head. It just tells me he must be doing something right because uh, he's got a lovely wife. But let's, um, Kevin. I want to really want to talk about something. So first of all, sir, welcome to the program. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here again with you guys. Yeah, you're a, he's a frequent guest of ours. Does always does a great job for us. But I wanted to talk today because we're talking a little bit about. You know, the end of year, the strategic planning, you do a lot of work with strategic, you know, as far as strategically working with clients across the Mid-South with not-for-profits and for-profits, big companies, small companies. And I guess the idea behind the importance of the brand and, you know, Keith, it was we were preparing for the program. Right. Some people actually make an investment based on name recognition. Right. Based on the, the branding. The branding. And yet we're saying that's important, obviously, for the consumer Buying the brand is, right. is is critical, but that's not always the way to decide an investment. No, not to make an investment decision. It's a little bit based of a, on yeah, the a little brand. bit of a different uh, uh, analysis, right? So, but Kevin, let's start with branding. I mean, here's the here's the key. What is branding? What when you talk about it, how would you define branding? Well, branding comes from an old Norse word, Jim, and, and it really means to burn. And what we mean is, is we want to burn the perception of the company, the product or the service into the mind of the consumer. We want to raise brand awareness. We want to, uh, in other words, we want the consumer to be aware of who we are and what we're selling. We want recall and recognition when the brand is, 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 is out there in the marketplace. But the biggest thing we want is what we call brand resonance, which really creates a community of consumers, a community of customers around the brand itself. Great example is Apple. I mean, why do people go out and, and spend weeks upon weeks sitting in front of the Apple store the next time the product's being introduced? It's, it's almost like there's a community of people that it's are... It's a cult. It's a cult it of really Apple is. followers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's, that's a good example of what you're talking about. But let me ask you this question. And, and again, I think, I'm thinking, and, and Keith, help me with this. Let's suppose that there's this, this company that is not selling to the general consumer. Right. Is it important for them to have a brand? I mean... Kevin, you understand what I'm saying? Sure. You know, Apple, obviously, you got a cult of people that move through the Apple system. They got to have the new. I understand that. I totally understand that. But maybe there's a product that is made in that fits inside that little telephone that that the consumer could care less. Is it important for that company to have a brand? Well, Jim, every company uh, sells something to to another company, to an individual, to a business. So branding actually allows us to differentiate ourselves, our products and our services from somebody else that's competing with us. So, yes, indeed, if you're selling to a, a, a business out there, you've got to, to have adequate branding strategy to actually get your name in front of them to establish prominence which is really uh, what you stand for and what you, how you want to be perceived in the marketplace. You want to obviously enhance your reputation. 
uh, basically connoting your values and your behavior and what you stand for as an organization. You want awareness so that people know who you are, and you want recognition, even if you've got a small group of, of customers that you're selling your services and products to. It's very important that you build your brand and create the image that you want. All right, let me get those. Let me summarize those because that was a lot. I mean, you know, when, when Kevin all, always we, he speaks a lot. Right. You, you First of all, let's just deal with recognition, sure. Kevin. Recognition is, is what? Who you are. What do you stand for? What are you selling? Uh, recognition so that people know when your name, Shoemaker Financial, we know exactly what that means in the marketplace and what you as an organization stand for, for example. Okay, so all right, I got recognition, and I mean, we can we can sense that that's important for the consumer to recognize what you stand for, who you are. Right. Brand number one. Awareness. That is awareness and recognition not something similar? I mean, that, isn't that kind of the same? Well, I can recognize who Shoemaker is, but I may not know exactly what you do. What the awareness factor is, is that I know exactly what you guys do as Shoemaker Financial. Do you sell insurance? Do you sell financial products? Are you a bank? I really don't know. So the awareness factor extends beyond just recognition so that I'm aware or that I understand exactly what you're selling in the marketplace. Good point. I think that's a great point. You know, if someone was talking to me, they might think that, you know, we just do investments. But as a financial planning firm, as Dr. Westbrook said, you know, very much on the insurance side as well. And that would be, you know, that awareness. So awareness of what the, the product is, of what you're talking about. So recognition, number one, awareness. This is what we're talking about is branding. Reputation. You said that was one of the important things. Yeah, your brand. You represent a, a set of values. Uh, your employees behave a certain way. You have a, a certain mission. In other words, what do you stand for? And, and your reputation is riding upon the way that you behave in the marketplace and the way you treat your customers. So the brand financial, uh, Shoemaker Financial, actually means something in the way that you treat and respond and provide services to your customer base. You know, when you think about that, Keith, when you, when you say, you know, awareness and, and you think about that, and recognition, you think, I can kind of see it. But the whole idea behind reputation, I mean, my dad used to say it takes a lifetime to create a reputation. Right. One second, one to, destroy second to destroy it. it. You know, so, so obviously it's uh, the key is, is that you build a reputation, you build that value, that, that whole system. Um, and, you know, I think, I think we have to think about that, too. When, when anybody's doing this, Kevin, help me with this, this whole idea behind reputation. You know, it's, it's uh, really it's, it's a long-standing process. And so how does the firm, you know, I mean, I could think in my chair at the office that I got to think about the reputation. But, but how does the firm permeate that throughout the whole organization and then that the consumer gets it. Uh, that's that's difficult, the sure, reputation. Sure, and to me, uh, managing my reputation is really a risk management strategy for me because, as you said, one event can mess up my reputation right. in the marketplace. So what do we do? Well, first off, we, we have to clearly communicate what we want to be or how we want to be perceived in the marketplace to our employees because you're, every employee down to the receptionist all the way up to the CEO of the organization is the face of the organization. Right. How are you advertising yourself? What are you telling your customers that you do in the marketplace? And then do you follow up? And is, are you proactive and responsive and actually carry out what you're telling your customers that you're doing on, a go, on, a, on an ongoing basis? So it's every day, it's every task, it's every activity that needs to permeate the entire organization so that it, you're consistently providing the same behavior that you want to have in the marketplace and to be perceived for. You know, that's a, I just uh, just experienced that with a particular corporation that I, I'm working with that the CEO made, he, he decided to do something. 
He told everybody they were going to do it. There was a little bit of back and forth, but, I mean, it was pretty much everybody said, okay, we're going to do it. But then it didn't get communicated. It didn't get communicated to the consumer, to, to, the, to the individual users of what this particular company was going to do. And, and I, you know, it was amazing. This is a company that's got a phenomenal reputation. Right. Boy, but it took a beating with this. I mean, the consumer that uses this particular product has, uh, has rebelled. I mean, it's been a, and, and, and you know, it's been a, a ton of um, uh, I'm sorry. There's uh, a ton of uh, mistake. Just a little comment, a couple of comments that were made and some things that were not properly communicated destroyed 30 years of relationship. Yes, and we live in an information society. Oh, yeah. And with blogging and social media today, your reputation can be ruined in an instant. Yeah. And I, and I know we've all done this. We go out and we buy a large ticket item of some type. Mm-hmm. How many of us go out and, and, and actually look at the blog sites and research what, what the consumers are saying about right. that company? Whether it be right or wrong, it really does influence what we think Absolutely. about that brand. This star stuff, I mean, just recently I was buying some – some floor mats for for my, one of my car a car and uh, I had to say this I went through there and if it had five stars uh, I didn't even read it but I I mean I was looking for how many people had rated something with five stars and when it was three stars why I read that in detail it, because I was paying attention to what that was said so that is what you're talking about yeah and companies really pay attention to that I I know of several large Fortune 100 size companies that have entire teams that are they. Spend all day long reading blog sites just to see what the consumers are wow. saying about them, because it's a reputational risk issue. Yeah, that's and a great point. We're going to I mean, talk with Jim Whitehead coming up in a few minutes too, and he's going to talk about a little bit about the idea of succession and how you've built a legacy and how you're protecting it. And Kevin, you're saying that group of people, you know, that's there to manage that. Well, if they haven't done the proper planning, then what Jim's going to talk about is, uh oh. You got to think through how are you going to con- convey this company that you spent a lifetime building? What are you going to do to make sure the legacy goes forward? Right, because you could build all of this up without being intentional about it, you know, have your reputation in the sure. community. But having that plan and doing the planning and focusing on that, that's what's critical. Well, and then the last thing, Kevin, you mentioned was prominence. And that's, uh, I guess, uh, help me understand prominence. Yeah, it goes back to brand recall and really this resonance. I want to build a community around my brand. In other words, I want my customers to think they're almost in a special group or cult by doing business with my particular brand. So when, when, when someone needs financial services, for example, what name comes to mind? And that's the prominence issue. And we can measure that. We can measure how, how people think about your brand and, and whether you're the first to mind when they think about financial services, for example. So you want to have a reputation in the marketplace of good standing. In other words, you're number one in the market is what you want to be. And that's your ultimate goal. So you, do you build a community around the brand so that mm. people want to be a part of that group? You mentioned the word trust marks, that sure. you wanted trust marks. Explain that to us. Yeah, trust marks uh, really create an emotional binding to the company. In other words, uh, there are people out there that are repeat buyers that somewhat have an emotional attachment to the actual product. It, and in some ways, it almost helps them identify themselves and something about themselves personally as when they are using the brand or associated with the brand. For example, I'm a Honda owner or I'm mm-hmm. a Honda driver. It means oh, that I'm unique. I'm or I'm special. We my talked dad, about that yeah, last weekend. My dad with was the Ford a Chevrolet trucks, man. Right? I mean, face it, bottom line is if he had bought a Ford, I'm not sure, sure I could have parked <laughs> it in the garage, you know, and that's exactly what you're talking about. And I know this sounds really weird, but I think trust marks eventually become love marks that we actually fall in love with the brand and we've got to have the brand. Mm-hmm. And that's really as a, as a, as a producer, 
culture of services and goods. That's where you want to be. You want people to love your brand and your company. You know, I think one of the things we talk about at at the office is that we have a customer and the customer is great to, you know, you work with a customer, but then then you end up with a client and then you end up with an advocate. And what That's you're right. what you're talking about is the advocate, the person who who we are seeing where we really are working closely with them. We're a team with them. Uh, they're clients that refer us on a regular basis. Uh, they're thinking about when they think financial, they think us. And uh, that's so critical. So, uh, you know, that is important when you think about branding and you think about building not only not only the recognition and not only the awareness or, or the reputation, but really are you prominent in the mind of someone when it comes to financial stuff? And coming to that point where you where you love that brand, I think yeah. that's incredibly important. You know, we were all BlackBerry guys before we started switching over to Apple. And oh, now yeah. I love my iPhone yeah. and I love Apple. And, you know, yeah. that's one of those things that you point. just build up. That's a very good point. Well, Kevin, if, you know, let me ask you this. If you were going to consult with a small business, would you say, would that, but there's so many things, and Jim's going to talk about all the things that the small business owner has to deal with, but does brand really matter? I mean, is it is it that important to the consumer? I, I really think it is. And, and unfortunately, we're, we're winding down the year, and people are thinking about business plans for 2015, and they're probably setting their budgets for 2015. One of the concerns that I have as a consultant, of course, this is my business, and I advise people on, on, on branding and planning, but a lot of times they become reactive. And rather than proactive and thinking ahead of what they're going to do from a, a strategic and tactical standpoint to build their brand over 2015, they may allocate certain funds to, to advertising or to branding or getting the brand out mm-hmm. there. The problem is and when, when things get tough, they start cutting in that area. The pro- and the, the issue around branding, you have, it's a latent effect. It takes time to build up brand prominence in the marketplace, and if you start cutting, then you're going to see the residual effects of, of, of something negative down the road because you haven't continuously built that brand That's over time. critical. It is. Planning. Yeah, yeah. And so the client, what you're talking about, Kevin, is the client may think I can cut this part of the budget, and today it doesn't, you don't feel the cut, and you feel it, you know, three, four, five, Five years down the road, is that what? That's kind of what you're sitting there telling. Yeah, you. and there's actually there actually been a couple of studies by some of the associations out there on advertising that you actually can lose significant market share by cutting back on that branding, and it takes a long time to get that back mm. in the consumer's mind. And that's, in other words, it's a reactive approach versus proactive. Well, I know that if you study Apple and and if you do any type of reading about Apple. They have their product coming out on a very sequential, I mean, it's very set up in a timely fashion because it is about when they come out with a new product, it does heighten their brand, and that's their thought process. Yeah, great example, uh, and I tell my students this at the university, but in 2008, we see that uh, you know General Motors was facing some very difficult times, and we continue to see advertising on the, on the television, and you're thinking, why are they spending all this money on ads? The point is, is they were preparing for 2009 and 2010 they, right. because they recognized there was going to be a residual negative effect for not advertising. Well, I know the very reason why we have a new model car coming out every year has nothing to do with the fact that the year, car, the year previously is worn out. It has to do with it brings you right back to that brand awareness of the new model, and you got to have it. And that's, that's just a marketing ploy. I mean, that's... Uh, Nothing wrong with that. That's why I like to drive mine at least 20 years. That's a <laughs> Not quite. If you just tuned in, of course, we're talking with Dr. Kevin Westbrook, and uh, he is the professor uh, at uh, Union University, uh, tenured professor, and also the president and CEO of Strategic AIM Consulting. 
And if you would like to talk to Kevin and just ask him about branding or ask him about, I mean, he does a lot of consulting with uh, several nonprofits here in the city and also those uh, large companies, the profits, and the small companies that are making a profit. So he is a very strong marketing consultant. I've known him for a long time, and I appreciate what he does. But you can reach him at Kevin at strategicaim.com. Of course, you can go online, just go to strategicaim.com and find out more about Kevin Westbrook and uh, what uh, Strategic Aim is all about. Best number to reach him is 901-258-0227. That's 901-258-0227. Kevin, we're talking about really the idea of branding, and you talked about the fact that people have a tendency to, when they look at cutting budgets, they cut that, and they also bring it back first when they're trying to put their budgets back together because they feel the pain. Yeah, they feel the pain. Sales are down, and they're wondering what they could have done a little bit differently. So then they get reactive, and they start branding again. Mm-hmm. And then when things go well, they might cut back again. Or when things get tough, they certainly cut back. And so here's the point. You need a consistent strategy. And regardless of what's going on in your business, unless you're near bankruptcy, you need to be branding at all times. Because, again, there are residual effects down the line. And if I cut back now, I'm going to suffer six months a year out in my branding strategy, because people, people lose out of, out of mind, out of sight, you know, they get out of mind. What, what is the saying? Out of sight, out of mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. And, and, and there's no adage in advertising. The more frequency, the greater the retention. So the more I see your brand out there, the more I remember who you are. That's the trust marks he was talking about. Right. And yeah. uh, Kevin, when you're talking about that, and you, know, you think about market share for a business, how important is that in the, you know, having a good product obviously is important, but it sounds like branding is one of those things that's critically important. I think it drives market share. I think it, it, it drives top line revenue growth. It's, it's just, I think it is as equally as important as getting a sales rep out in front of a customer and selling your products or services. It's, it's just one of those forms of promotion. Well, that's critical. What I liked about it, what he said and for the next guest, it's talking about consistent or constant strategy. Right. Jim Whitehead is one of our financial planners in the office that works with business owners and does a tremendous amount of effort. And, Kevin, you know, when you talk about branding and you talk about this guy, Jim Whitehead, has done a phenomenal job as he brands himself with the business owner. And, Jim, you have a, a meeting in the office every Wednesday. I want to start with that. First of all, sir, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me today. Talk about your Wednesday meeting. You have a lot of business guys that come together on a Wednesday morning, and and you're just, I mean, I'm always amazed. You fill the room up. Right. We have a group called Leaders Group. Mm -hmm. And this past week we had about 15, 16 business owners coming together. And it's amazing listening to you all three talk about the branding and the marketing and the business plan. That was our conversation this week. Yeah. We're talking about how do you take your business and put it in front of the right people, uh-huh. not just anybody. And I think that's what Dr. Westbrook is talking about, the branding of the people that you want to be in front of. Yeah. We talk all the time about business planning. Right. You know, who you are, what you do, which resonates with your mission and your vision of your company. And this week we're talking about, well, I know what mine is, but do your employees know what it is. Oh, yeah. So, in other words, the vision can be in the CEO's head. But, again, what Kevin's talking about, if it's not conveyed down all the way down to the to the receptionist or to the person that comes in on part-time basis, it's not really – you're not really doing a good job. That's right. A good friend, um, Ken Johnson, brought up a word this week, intentional. Ah, good. Are you intentional about the branding, about your marketing, about your business plan? You know, and most of us talk about those things – as we want to do them, but we get busy. So how often are you going back, blowing the dust off and saying, this is where we need to be as 
a team, as a group, as a business. All right. Now, let me add, this is leadership. Leadership group. Leadership, leaders group. Leaders group. Uh, if they wanted to come and, and join that, uh, do they just can just show up and call you, obviously, because you do have, I mean, you have a problem getting them all in the room. I mean, it's a big room, but uh, so just simply call. They can Jim, call me. Call Jim Whitehead at 757-5757 if you would like to participate with the leaders group on Wednesday mornings at the office. They meet at 7 or 7? Uh, 8 on Wednesday. 8 o'clock on Wednesdays. Uh, leaders group. And uh, what? I mean, great dialogue. We also meet at 745 on Thursday. <laughs> so you have two groups. <laughs> we do have two. Well, I knew you did. I knew there was, a, I mean, because, I mean, what happened was it got so it's, popular. It's growing. And it's growing. And uh, they're coming. And, you know, it, you've got to make up with different people, too. This is not just... Uh, uh, contractors or not, it's a, it's just business owners that are very involved in running a small business, which is again, as I said earlier, the backbone of our institution. Absolutely, this is everything we were around small business owners. So the group on Thursday doing the same thing, same thing, and it's just people. You know, we're all blessed that I get to meet with you every two weeks, Jim. And we talk about my strategy. He doesn't always like that. Right? <laughs> That's true. I, you know, he said I'm blessed, but it's not really what he was thinking. I didn't say a word. <laughs> didn't say a word. I hear you. <laughs> but the point is, right, is that I get coaching. Yeah. And I have a business coach, Al Dem, and they help me. You help me each week look at things to better the practice to help the consumer, the client. Right. A lot of small business owners don't have a Dr. Westbrook. Absolutely. They don't have somebody helping them sharpen the saw on a regular basis. So these groups are for that intention. You have like-minded people growing their own business in a non-competing way. Sure. So they can help each other and pull from each other's strengths. We call that gold nuggets. Yeah. They can pick out a gold nugget and then, and then put that into implementation into their own business model, their own business plan. And there's no cost with this. No, it's, it's 100% it's just, free. These guys come in. It's just sharing. What I've been extremely impressed was this is a high-caliber group of people that are really dedicated to to openly – Sharing business ideas, as you said, those golden nuggets. I That's like right. that a lot. That's a very, very strong, uh, open, transparent uh, community, kind of a village mentality where they're helping each other. That's correct. Well, I tell you what, I want to come back and I want to dive into this uh, succession planning with Jim White. Some know, some strategies. Yeah, Rebecca's right. want to tell us a little bit about a Mid-South moment. But, I mean, there's so much that we've got going on here today. These are great conversations. Absolutely. Of course, Talk Money is brought to you every week by Shoemaker Financial, which has been providing professional advice, quality products, and excellent service throughout the Mid-South since 1978. At Shoemaker, it is not about the plan. It's about the results. Now let's go to Rebecca Brazier for a Mid-South History Moment. Stick around. We will be right back with Jim Whitehead and Dr. Kevin Westbrook. Thank you for joining us here on Talk Money. I'm Keith Quinn here with Jim Shoemaker. You know, uh, we just remind everybody, if you'd like to talk to Jim Whitehead, his telephone number is 901-757-5757. Or you can go to, of course, just uh, jwhitehead at shoemakerfinancial.com. Uh, that's an easy one to remember, jwhitehead at shoemakerfinancial.com. Or if you'd like to talk to Dr. Westbrook, it's uh, 901-258-0227 at strategicaim.com or kevin at strategicaim.com. 
Uh, great information for the small business owner. It really I mean, is. Most of us, you know, a lot of people in Memphis work for or involved with somebody is involved with a small business. Again, it's the backbone of our economy. It's what makes things tick. And so many times, and as Jim was talking, this group that he's calling Leaders Leaders Group is, is a group of guys and ladies that get together and I've watched them. I've watched the, how they share with each other and how they're back and forth and challenging. And he called it the nuggets, the golden nuggets. But the reality is it's open communication. It's the willingness to share. That's what small business is all about. Leveraging everyone's experience. Everybody's experience. Exactly. I want to ask you, Jim, as we get into this thought process, I mean, strategic planning. And, and Kevin mentioned this earlier, the whole idea of the, the thought being consistent strategy to be repetitive, to think through it, not something. And I can remember early on in the development of the company, I I did not understand that. It was like I'd get a vision, Kevin, of what I thought we ought to be doing, and I'd start running down this path. Well, then six months later, I'd get another vision, you know. And that's what small business have a tendency to do. And finally, I woke up and said, no, wait a minute. I need to be more consistent. So, Kevin, I mean, uh, Jim, help me with this, with Kevin's thought of a consistent strategy. How do you convey that to a business owner? You know, it all starts with focus. Okay. It's it's pinpointing what you do, what you do well, and then the refocus of how to grow that successfully. And that's where your strategic uh, marketing comes in. That's where your branding comes in. That's where you're looking at your budgets. And most of us, when we think of business planning, that's what we think of first. You know, how do I get product A to the right consumer, and how do we do a good job, and how do we build that goodwill, which is the reputation that Kevin was talking about. I know one of the biggest issues that you're facing with right now with a lot of business owners is, is, is they're, they're in that part of that baby boom generation, and they're moving towards some degree of succession. They're looking at three strategic things, death, disability, or retirement. All of us at some point are working towards that retirement right. goal, and they're saying, okay, how can I do that? Give us some idea behind succession planning. What is succession planning? Well, you know, when I talk to these business owners, this is the thing that they forget to do, most of them. Mm -hmm. The succession planning, how do I take what I've worked for and how I've built for the last 15, 20, 30 years, and now there's going to be a transition. Like you said, death, disability, retirement. How am I going to use that asset that I've built all these years for the right purpose? And when you have a succession, you can either sell it or you can give it away. So I think for most business owners, they think, well, I bought this business at one time. Mm -hmm. I wanted it. Surely there's a lot of people out there that are going to stand in line to buy it. Well, that doesn't happen, Jim. It very rarely happens that way. So what we find is either you're going to try to give it to somebody in the family, you're going to try to find a key employee to buy it, or the doors start to close. You start to lose that reputation. If you have a disability, Jim, and all of a sudden you can't keep up that goodwill of your reputation because you just can't work every day, your business value starts to decline, hmm. which means your largest asset is losing value on a daily basis because your branding is losing its running steam. Hmm. You have to keep those things in place to build the ultimate value. Jim, no business owner wants to walk away and not get top dollar for their business. That business means a lot to them. Well, yeah, most of the time it's been everything they've done. Kevin, do you find that some business owners lose the perspective at what Jim's talking about? Sure, and and you're exactly right, and I totally agree with you. I was talking to a recent business, and uh, they're in a succession planning process, like you said, and and they can't find a buyer for their for their particular business, and it's really a problem. And you know, here's what I think about branding: you want to you want to 
sustain the brand over time. It's, it's a reflection on your legacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have worked hard for 20, 30, 40 years to build up this brand, to build up your reputation in the marketplace. And the last thing you want to do is for it to close or to turn it over to somebody, like you said, that uh, can't c- maintain the brand on a consistent basis because it is a reflection back on the original, on the original owner. And it's something you really need to be proactive and think about, like you said. Or, heaven forbid, if, if something negative were to happen, like a disability, and mm-hmm. an accident or something like that where you can't sustain that business. So you're absolutely right. This ought to be top of mind every right. time you do a plan. Jim, when you, when you say the idea behind this, this catastrophe of disability or something like that, so let's go back to the process. So tell us when a person should start thinking succession. Is that something maybe the day he opens the door or is it five years before his time limit is? When do they start thinking this process? You know, 10 years out. I mean, if you're going to retire in 10 years, you better start figuring out how to develop this business to either sell it or give it to your family. Um, The best way, one thing that many of us forget is the tax ramifications of a big sale. It's huge. It's huge. I mean, in today's marketplace with the the new tax laws and and percentages, if you have a big ticket item, you don't get that big ticket item. You get half. So I don't know about you, but I don't like driving my four-wheel car on two wheels. I want the entire (laughs) car when I sell it, right? But what happens is they don't plan this effectively. You know, you can go get you a checklist, but it's different for a dentist business owner than a farmer business owner because there's so much land involved. It's different from the guy who's working out of his house but has a multi-million dollar business selling items. Each business is very different, and the catapult is the person driving the business. That is the person that's no longer going to be in that business. So how do I replace somebody as good as me right, is, in the is business. Is that person the responsible person for finding that successor? I mean, what? if you don't do that, here's what I'm thinking. If that business owner, Keith, right. who's been the guy who's driven it, he's the heroic leader. I mean, he's done as, as, as Jim's talking about. But if he's not really thinking about what who's going to take over, then he's really selling himself short. He's really not being the business owner he needs to be. Kevin's saying it's about his legacy. It's not about his success. It's about his legacy. And I think you made a great point. You know, often, and you would know as a business owner, you're running so hard in so many different directions that to slow down and think in these terms 10 years out is a tough thing to do. I guess both of you guys, Jim, I'll give you the chance first, and then I want to go to Kevin. How do you encourage the person to think about his legacy? How do you make that as a, as a prominent part of a, of a person's thought process? Well, I think two ways. Number one is they develop this business. They became professionals in the development of what they do. Now they have to become a professional in the selling of that development. Mm. Like Kevin was saying, the legacy. Mm. How do I take the legacy and turn that into a profitable sell? Mm. The second thing that I like to do is to get them thinking about their retirement. I mean, how are they going to live? If their biggest yeah, most asset, of the time, most of the time, everybody's assets tied up in the business. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Good point. Right. So if they're going to sell their biggest asset, well, where's the paycheck coming next year? For twenty years, mm-hmm. for thirty years, and back to the legacy part, are they going to leave some of that to their heirs, to their family, to their grandchildren, to pay for colleges for all these or whatever? What are their intentions? Too many people will go to a checklist and say, "Okay, yep, 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 yep," but it's very personal. You spend a lifetime of developing something, it's very personal on the decisions you make to go forward. Personal and emotional. Yes. Yeah, when we talk, come back, I want to talk about a business owner that has three sons, two of them in the business, one's not. And the emotions 
that those sons have. So Kevin's got a question. He, we'll come back to him when we get a chance. And I'm also going to give everyone a couple of practical things they can do. If you are a physician, we are having a financial strategies for successful uh, successful phys- physician seminar uh, at Owen Brennan's uh, this coming Tuesday at 630. Uh, if you would like to attend that, just RSVP to Chris Purcell, C. Purcell at ShoemakerFinancial.com. And then we're also having a bold seminar presentation, which is about business which planning. Is business planning. Business planning. And that's mm-hmm. coming up on November 20th. That's a lunch, 12 to 1. Uh, just call into the office, 757-5757, RSVP to that. Both will have a lot of great information and that really, you can use for planning. we're talking about this thing with the physicians. It's the same type of thought process with the physician Absolutely. and then the business owner. So two great seminars going on in the office for our listeners that if they'd like to, simply just RSVP at 757-5757. Uh, one of the things that we do at the office, not that we are trying to give somebody an evaluation, but we could give them an idea. So many times business owners don't know the value that the they're true creating value, right. or what they're thinking. So we do have a system that we can send it off to some people and bring it back to us. Not a value that we would say is a valued, uh, you know, where we'd say, okay, this is one that you can take it. But it gives but you it's a really idea. good ballpark. But it's a ballpark. And it gives you a kind of an idea. So, again, if you're interested and you like what we're talking about today, call these guys. Kevin Westbrook, you can reach him at 258-0227. That's 258 258-0- Two two seven or Jim Whitehead at seven five seven five seven five seven. Kevin, we were we were talking earlier, and and you actually at the break mentioned it being risk management. To explain that to you because we would set the questions up. What is it important? Why is it important? And you said risk management. Yeah, sure, Jim. You know my background. I spent some time in the risk management area uh, with a large company, and one of the things that we sold was obviously property and casualty insurance. And and here here's my thought: every year you would come up for an insurance renewal, and you would think about things like business interruption, and you could buy coverage for that. Well, here here's the point. If you think about a catastrophic event occurring in your business, for example, a death or a major disability, you need a contingency plan in place. So my best practice is think about in the event in 2015, if something catastrophic were to occur to you as the business owner, what are you going to do with that business? You have customers and clients out there that are depending on you, that are loyal to you, that have given you their business, that you need to figure out a way to take care of them. You've got employees and so in my mind, contingency planning ought to include a succession plan in the event that emergency occurs. Absolutely. And, and Jim, we saw that walked out when we had a little, little bit of a fire well, issue no and we had a, yeah, uh, yes. had a contingency plan contingency in place. Contingency plan in place, yeah. Well, the, the, the couple, the, the, this, this family that owns this business has two sons and, and a third son that's not in the business. And, and just as a testimony for them, what they've been working through is this whole idea of the succession plan and it was a, it was kind of an emotional thing. It was tragic. The, they had all had it kind of as a thought process, but nobody had put it down in writing. And so when they finally agreed to the price, here's where, Jim, you were talking about earlier that you either sell it or, you know, maybe give it away. Well, the reality was they couldn't give it away because it was their retirement. And so they've had to spend quite a bit of time working around a price that they were all agreeing to that this is what the boys were going to pay and this is what the parents were going to be willing to take for that company that they had built over 40 years, a successful business. And it was a, it was pretty difficult to get through that process. And they had to have a couple of attorneys working with them and stuff like that. Where would you have started with them five years ago? You know, I think everything can be a conflict when we're deciding today. Uh, you know, but back to uh, Kevin's perspective, if we start looking at this 
you know, from a business valuation every three years. So if you're going to retire in 10 years, you've done a business valuation for three years. You can see that business valuation go up or down. Mm -hmm. It's easier for a discussion. It's not last minute planning. It's not, oh, I want this now. It's, well, there's a lot of thought that's been put into this. There's been planning put into this. We've grown the business from some of these ideas, and this makes sense. Now, it's easy. That's an easy one, Jim, when we're deciding what you're going to buy or I'm going to buy. It's not so easy when one of us dies, and now people are saying the business is worth a lot more. They want a lot more for it, like in a partnership. Yeah, well, you know, that's why you want the buy-sell agreement, Keith. Absolutely. They want to be sure it's a legal binding agreement that says this is what's going to happen if this takes place. And so you're looking at you, – you just got some real planning processes doing to go through the, the process to get this done. So, gosh, you've done a great job today, Kevin. I mean, just wonderful. Again, if you'd like to talk to Kevin with Strategic Aim Consulting, it's 258-0227. Works with nonprofits and for-profit corporations here in the city. Does a great job and, uh, and just a personal friend and, and wonderful person to work with. Very smart. And Jim Whitehead, also very smart. Uh, does a great job working with business leaders. The lead- that was not funny. I only uh, laughed at Jim laughing. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But the leaders group meets on Wednesdays and Thursdays. And Thursdays, 8 o'clock and 7.45. Yes. Great group for small business owners. 757-5757 for him. And you can uh, reach him and uh, just uh, say, hey, I want to come and join the leaders group. And that's a great Definitely. You know, this has been one of those busy days, guys. You know, it's been a busy, you know, you feeling a little better and are you still under the, you know, you just feel like you don't look good. You know? Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. You, know, <laughs> you look like you don't feel good. That's what I mean. Yeah. You look, you don't look, you don't, yeah, you don't, yeah, you are a little under Yeah, the I am a little under the weather. But yeah, both these guys had great information. You know, obviously we could talk for hours to either one of these gentlemen. Uh, just to encourage anyone who has any issues, any questions, please reach out to them because they're great resources. Guys, thanks for being with us today. Thank you. Great. Thank you. All right. Well, next week. Next week, Kurt, Social Security. Kurt Zarnowski and Social Security. And Ted Miner. And Ted Miner. You know, the reality is that's one of our most listened to programs because people always have questions about Social Security. Well, we think about, you know, in businesses and planning, and we don't have those pensions all the time anymore, but you have Social Security. Now, we can debate whether it's going to be there in what form or fashion, but it's a huge deal because it's the cash flow for the rest of your life. Absolutely. So I'm looking forward to it. Thank you for joining us. I think we've had a great show, and I want to thank all of our guests. Uh, Jim Shoemaker, oh, thank you for being here. <laughs> no, sir, but you're uh, you're always a welcome addition. <laughs> it's good to be here. Uh. Jim Whitehead and Dr. Kevin Westbrook. And, of course, next week we'll have Kurt Zarnowski and Ted Miner. I want to thank Art Frederick, our program director, Francis Fortner, our guest coordinator, uh, Jeff Long, our compliance officer, Eleanor Moskovitz, and Katie Brashear, our production assistants, Drew Johnson, who writes our Mid-South History Moments and did an excellent job today telling us about Sergeant York and Rebecca Brazier, who always reads them. I'm Keith Quinn, and running Jim, out of voice. And I'm Jim Shoemaker. <laughs> Please join us next week when we'll help you make the most of your money. Jim Shoemaker and Keith Quinn are registered representatives and investment advisor representatives of Securian Financial Services Incorporated. Securities dealer member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Shoemaker Financial is independently owned and operated.